0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Welcome to Austin Chapel. My name is Stephen Montgomery. I'm the lead pastor here. And we're so glad that each and every one of you are here today. And the house lights apparently aren't working, so it's incredibly hard to see. <laughs> but y'all can see me, I guess, but I can barely see you. <laughs> I didn't want to, anyways. It's a joke. Um, So, we have been in a three-week series. Today is week two of this series called So That Our Joy May Be Complete. And it comes out of 1 John 1-4. And it's a series that's all about the joy in sharing. The joy in sharing the gospel. Sharing the good news. And the, the joy that comes with it when you get to just share the experience with somebody. Share the experience with somebody. And last week we talked about Testimony, how your story is actually evidence of the divine. It's, we're called the witnesses, right? And Jesus said um, in Acts to his disciples to go out into all the world and be his witnesses, right? Now, we, when we experience Jesus Christ, when we experience the gospel, when we, we have our lives transformed by the good news of the gospel, by the work that Jesus does in our lives, we have experienced it. And when we share it, we're witnesses to the divine. Now, our story alone doesn't prove God's existence to someone, but it is evidence to be taken under consideration. Just like in a court of law, somebody's testimony, somebody's witness is evidence in the case. Now, alone doesn't prove anything, because that person could be lying, right? But when you compare it alongside all the other evidence... There begins to be a story unraveling where you start to begin to see the truth. And so sharing our testimony is actually a way where we say, Hey, here's my part. This is what Jesus has done. Right? You don't have to maybe believe it, but let me tell you, I experienced it. I've seen Him. I've I've seen the change in my life. I've experienced His love, His grace. I'm not the same person that I was. And it's actually evidence for the divine. And this week we're going to be talking about gospel presentation. How comfortable are you in presenting the gospel to another? How comfortable are you in presenting the gospel to another? Do you know where to take them in scripture to show them, hey, this is where it says that Jesus' blood covers your sin. Hey, this is where it shows that you were depraved in your sin and Jesus is the only way. Hey, this is where it shows that now because of the work he's done, you have new life. That your life can be completely transformed. Do you know where to take them in scripture? Do you know how to present it? Do you know how to answer some of the basic questions about the gospel? Now, don't be ashamed if you don't. Today is a day about learning. It's not about guilt tripping. It's not about getting you to go be the crazy guy on the street. This is about us being more excited about the gospel. This is about us experiencing and then wanting others to experience the good news as well. And so I said this last week and I'll say it again. If you leave this message feeling bad, I didn't do my job. Okay? This isn't about me making you feel bad and guilt tripping you into going and, and sharing with your unbelieving friends. This isn't about me convincing you to invite people to our church. This should be a message that is about us Really looking at the gospel again, falling in love with Jesus all over again and being excited about it, being excited about the good news. And if you're not excited about sharing it, don't, don't share, wait, maybe go and and spend some time with Jesus and and just confess like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to share with that person. Like there's something in me. I don't know if it's fear, if it's anxiety, if it's apathy, I don't know what it is, Lord, but I just don't really want to do it. And just spend some time with Jesus. Like, I, I do not want us to go out there and share out of a feeling of compulsion, out of doing it for a religious purpose so we can check a box so that my pastor will be proud of me. None of those. But because you truly find joy in sharing. Here's the thing. I said it last week as well, is that, you know, when, you, when you're in sales, a great salesman once told me that He said, Nothing stinks worse than desperation when you're selling something. If they feel like you need it more than they need it, they're not going to buy from you. But I would say in, in evangelism or just in, in generally sharing the gospel, if they sense that you're doing it just to check a box, you're doing it for a religious purpose, it stinks. They can tell it's not real. If you're like, oh, it's such a good thing, I, I it's, it's, good. it's the good news, and they're like, but I, you don't really seem like it's good news, like, Like You just seem like it's something you feel like you have to do. It doesn't seem good on you. But when it's really good news to us and we're truly joyful about it, that can be sensed in the tone of your voice and in the passion behind your words. They can read it and say, you know what? Maybe I don't believe what he's saying, but I I believe he believes it. (laughs) And that's compelling. Because when they can tell that you're not even sure about it, when you're not even excited about it, they're like, why, why should I be? But when when you're like, this, is, this has transformed my life. Not just once, but every day when I focus on Jesus, my life is being changed for the better. I'm drawing closer and closer to the one who, who completes me. I'm having true relationship with the sovereign God of the universe. When somebody's excited about something, it makes you kind of... Curious about it. It makes you maybe want to get excited about it. When somebody's like, Hey, I really want you to watch this TV show. It's real good. (laughs) Yeah? What's it about? Well, it's just a show. I mean, you should just watch it though. You're not going to go watch it, are you? But if they're like, Dude, this is the best show ever. And critics agree. Let me show you the critics. Like they're saying that this is the best show. I'm saying it's the best show. Please go watch this show. It'll change your life. Or at least... Eight hours when you're binging, right? (laughs) No, like there's when you really are excited about something, when you're filled with joy, the way you express it changes and it becomes more compelling. And so today, we're going to be going through some very, very simple, very basic looks at the gospel. And really some very practical ways to share. But if you leave here feeling like you have to, when you don't want to, please don't just wait just go to Jesus just spend some time with him instead let the gospel become exciting again and so i hope as we look at this this isn't tactics this isn't some method this isn't a sales pitch that this is the good news so let's let us reexperience and if you've never experienced it i would i would challenge you listen closely if you're unsure about this whole thing and you're not sure why you're at church, listen closely. This is the foundation of everything we believe. It is the foundation of the church for 2,000 years now. Everything that we've had, everything we've believed is all based upon this gospel. It's all based upon this. So the text that we'll start with is uh, 1 John 1, 1-4. And this is the text that our sermon came out of. I would challenge you real quick, uh, if, you, if you can, get to the sermon notes in the app, because this is the only portion of Scripture I'm going to have on the screen. The rest you can find in the app in the sermon notes section if you want to get there. Or you can um, follow along in the Bibles beside you, but without the house lights it might be difficult to read. Um, 1 John 1, 1-4 That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, ...which we looked upon and have touched with our hands... ...concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it... ...and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father... ...and which was made manifest to us... That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. the good news. He, he shares here in a very brief way. He says, this is a thing that we've experienced. right?" He says, which was from the beginning? He's saying that Jesus was from the beginning. He says it's this thing that which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, which we have touched, concerning the word of life, which is a name for Jesus, the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim um, to you the eternal life. So he says it's through this word of life, this Jesus, that eternal life has been made known to us, how we can have eternal life. And then he tells us that, We have fellowship with the Father and the Son now because of this work of the gospel. And then he says now, he's like, we're writing these things to you. You see this? So that our joy may be complete. Our mutual joy will be complete. So there is an essence of the joy of experiencing the gospel that you get when you share it. Just like anything else, you you enjoy it even more when you share it. But then it's also for our mutual joy. So it's, it's for their joy too. You want them to enjoy this thing as well. So John tells us that our joy in the gospel is is completed by sharing it. Maybe you've experienced the mercy, the love, the grace. You're experiencing the relationship. And there's another element here for you on earth right now. And it's the joy that comes from sharing with others. It's another way for you to enjoy the gospel. So... John challenges us. He gives us a very, very brief, small description of the gospel. And then he, 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 throughout the rest of his book, goes into other details about the gospel and and shares. And he really challenges us about the aspect of relationship, the aspect of fellowship that we have with God. And I was asking my father-in-law, who's here today. He's a pastor in um, Calvary Chapel, Grapevine, up in the DFW area. And he's a pastor there, and I asked him, I was like, what are, what are some of your favorite ways to share the gospel? What are your, some of your favorite parts about the gospel when you when you share? What are the go-to things that you like to take people to? And, and so he, he brought up a, a certain portion of, of scripture that he he loves, and it really has a lot to do with the relationship that is there because of God, that there's no longer this veil, and the veil has been torn. So, Rick, would you like to come up and just share a little bit about relationship and, and, and really what it is about the... Uh, the veil and everything that means so much to you personally. I'll give you this mic right, here. Thank
1: you, Stephen. Here we go. It's pretty great to give over this pulpit to a pastor. You know, we may be here all day. and No, no I promise I'll be brief. But, yeah, it is kind of hard to see you all, but mm-hmm. it's okay. I feel like a rock star or something. <laughs> You, you are. are. <laughs> I do, I? Thank you. I'm going for that look. Is it? Important?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you're yeah. <laughs> not. No, but really, uh, good good words uh, you, you're sharing so far about um, being excited about sharing the gospel, and then you know how how do we share that? And one thing I was thinking of when uh, Stephen asked me that was the the whole aspect of the temple okay so you look at how god has communicated to the world through the bible right i mean a lot of it is about the temple well, first the tabernacle right and then later the temple that uh king solomon built and there's a lot of truth as you study that and and we think about why why did god send christ through the line of david through the the, the Israelites, right? Why did he do that? Well, there's a reason, because he's trying to communicate to us truths uh, about how we approach God. And so if you look at the the temple, which, by the way, you could go over to Israel right now and, and see the, the Western Wall, which is part of the, the temple, and the Jews go there and pray now. So this isn't like a, a fairy tale. I mean, you can literally go over there and see uh, where this was built. But you study that, and, and you think about... The The Holy of Holies, where the Bible says that God dwelt within the Holy of Holies in the Ark you know above the Ark of the Covenant, and just in this this little room and and yet who who was able to go in there it was very restrictive in terms of who could go into the Holy of Holies, only the High Priest could go in once a year, so this whole idea of understanding, we have this separation uh, between us and God, and and the whole sacrificial system. It might seem you know complicated, and with a believer, unbeliever, you want to be careful not to get into you know too deep into the the aspects of the temple, but just relating the truth that hey, think about the temple, think about this separation that there is there was between God and man, and how. Uh, it was very restrictive in terms of who could go in there. the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies once a year and he had to have blood and he had to have the, uh, the blood of an animal to, uh, atone for his sin. And if he went in there and kind of took it casually or, or he wasn't in the right place or he didn't follow the rules that God had prescribed, he could be struck down dead. So it, it really puts this, uh, fear, that the beginning, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So if you're talking to an unbeliever and they don't fear God, they don't understand that there's a separation between them and God. And what do often unbelievers say when you ask them, you know, if you were to die today and and uh, stand before God uh, and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And most of them say, well, I've been a good person or, you know, I've done bad things, but my, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. But so when you kind of lay it out for this person and realize there's this this deep separation between uh, us and God, and without coming to Him with a sacrifice, you cannot approach God. You cannot know God. So, also emphasizing the fact that God loves us. You know, He's, he's a Father. You know, you think about a Father's heart. If you have children, you, you know, you look at your children like... Nobody else, right? There can be a crowd of kids and you see your child there and they just stand out, right? And you you have such favor. Like I, I look at my daughter, Melissa and Stephen up here, and I'm so proud of them that what they're doing for the Lord. And, you know, my heart just, you know, I was kind of tearing up back there. It's like, wow, how awesome to see your daughter, your son-in-law serving the Lord, doing the hard things, following the calling that they have because you want your children to be blessed. You want them to grow in the things of the Lord. You want their life to be blessed and abundant. God's the same way with us. You know, and as believers, he looks at us with great favor. You know, And Stephen was talking about maybe we're not excited about sharing the gospel. And I think often that's, that's tied into us not understanding God's love for us as believers and we can get kind of bound up inside we can get to a place where Christianity becomes kind of a burden and that's that is not God's intention he he wants us to abide in his love to go deeper in our relationship with him and it's all based on grace you know and that's really my heart in ministry where uh, God's called me to Tell believers about his grace or, or what one pastor called preaching Christ to Christians. You know, Stephen has this real heart for evangelism and, you know, I do too. But my specific calling is really to remind believers, hey, you have power and you have victory through the blood of Jesus. You have access to God. You have favor with God and And you have but you have to enter into that. It's not just an automatic thing that happens to every Christian right? A lot of Christians can kind of be in this place of defeat and discouragement and carrying this burden and feel guilty like stephen was, that's not God's intention. He wants us to to go deep into his grace. I mean we start out with God by grace right and that's that's the message we have for unbelievers and if we're excited about God's grace in our lives we're going to be in a place where we're ready to share it with unbelievers and and the message is hey i'm a sinner i god is blessing me with his favor and his love and i don't deserve it it's not because i've performed to a certain level that god's pouring out his blessing on me it's because i'm clinging to jesus christ i'm trusting in him that's the message we give to unbelievers say hey you come on in you know it's it's free it's grace and and then once you say yes to Jesus, well, what did it say when Jesus uh, said it's finished on the cross? After he said it is finished, you know what the next verse is in, in a couple of the Gospels? The very next verse when he said it is finished. Anybody know? It says the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, this is, you think of a veil, I think of like a, a thin little silk veil. You know, like, well, well that'd be easy to tear. These, this veil, they say in the temple, is more like, you know, kind of layers of thick carpet. It, it was a, a thick veil, and the message was, don't go past this. God's on the other side. You're here. You cannot go through that. It's almost like God was so anxious to, to uh, remove that separation, like the first thing after Jesus said, it's finished. The father said, okay, sins are uh, forgiven. I'm tearing that veil in two. You see that heart of God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want that separation. And so to be able to explain that to an unbeliever, but for us to realize not only can we enter the Holy of Holies, but you are now the temple of God. If that's not crazy to think about that here, here you couldn't even go into the presence of God because of your sin. And now God says, you are my temple. And you think, well, how can, how could that be? I'm a sinner. That, that's how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ is. See, your faith in Jesus is so pleasing to God. He is so pleased with his work of, of that, his son on the cross, and the effectiveness of that forgiveness in his blood that we're, we're blameless before God. We're clean. And the enemy's going to try to bring you down and condemn you and say you're no good. You know, I was counseling somebody one time. And I really wanted to get to the heart. And she was a believer. Really, kind of want to get to the heart of where she's at. And I said, you know, what do you? Just tell me what you what do you think uh, God's attitude is toward you? How do, what's your relationship with God? Oh well, he's mad at me. He's disappointed at me. He's punishing me. And I'm like, wow. She does not even understand the basics of the gospel. She's saved, but she's living like she's not. So I just began to minister to her. Hey, God's grace, he loves you, he's forgiven you. If you're trusting Jesus, be free, be filled. Yeah, the enemy's going to try to accuse you, but you need to know the scripture to defend against those lies that he's going to place on you. So what will happen when you begin to walk in God's grace and, and let his power fill you because of the blood of Jesus? He starts to stir in your heart all kinds of things. Love for people you want to share. Love for his word. Love going to church. I was driving here this morning saying, man, Sunday morning's my favorite time. Man, mm-hmm. it's just awesome coming to the house of God with God's people. It's just, you know, we're going to do this for eternity one day. But So I just encourage you guys, understand who you are in Christ. You are the temple. Let the spirit flow freely, not because you're good enough, because you're cleansed by the blood. And then that's just going to flow out to others. And, and you're just worshiping the Lord, caught up in the wonder of what he's doing in your life, and then God's going to put people in your path that you can uh, uh, witness to, or maybe it's an unbeliever or a believer that's discouraged. You know, any discouraged believers or, or they're just defeated. You can say, hey, man, enter into the grace. Enter into the grace. So let me just pray for you guys. Lord, we do pray that you as believers lord that we experience the fullness of that presence of Jesus Christ understanding the veil on the temple has been torn into we can enter into your presence in fact we are now that holy of holies that you dwell in that's how effective the blood of Jesus is cuz we're all struggling sinners lord and yet you changes from the inside out and then lord That we can then share that message with others. Hey, come on in. It's free. Receive the gift. I'm excited about it. You can have it. He can cleanse you of your sin. He can change your life just like he's changed mine. And Lord, that you would stir in our hearts, as Stephen was sharing, that joy to share the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
0: See, there's this element of complete and true relationship that we have with God, as He was sharing with, right? That the veil was torn. When Jesus said, it is finished, it torn from top to bottom. Think about that. The separation that sin caused between us and God, through the blood of Jesus, is removed. And we now have that access to Him. I think that's, that's beautiful, and it's absolutely... The essence of the gospel is relationship, that, that Jesus made the way. You know, I was, uh, was at a friend's barbecue like two weeks ago, and um, I'm outside with the the friend and a, another friend of his, who I'd never met before, and we're chatting, you know, normal small talk. And my friend, our mutual friend, goes inside, and then he comes back out, and I'm asking him about church and stuff, right? Uh, just, where do you go? And he's like, I'm not going to church, and he's like... He's like, I knew as soon as I left the room, you would bring that up. And I was like, what do you expect? I'm a pastor. Like, come on. Uh, anyways, and it ended up being this fantastic conversation with this guy. And he, you know, really did not believe, had a lot of questions, a lot of hard questions to answer. He said a lot of things, you know, that um, just reasons why he thinks the church is foolish and the gospel is foolish and all that. But as we were sharing, as I was sharing with him and my friend was as well, our mutual friend, and we're sharing with him and he, he started to say, yeah, my, my brother is a Christian and he's been telling me about the gospel and, and this and that. And he's like, you know, I get that I'm supposed to be a good person and that if I'm good enough, I can go to heaven. And I said, hold on. I was like, I don't know your brother. I don't know if, you, if that's what he said or you're misquoting him. I was like, but that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. I was like, I don't know where you heard that, if that was from your brother or somebody else, but it, you do not get to heaven because of how good you are. I was like, that's nowhere in scripture. That is not the gospel. I was like, let me share the gospel with you. And I just told him, told him the brokenness of humanity because of sin. How because of sin, we are not able to have relationship with God. We are broken, simple and depraved, and God has to judge sin because he's the almighty, perfect creator of the universe. And he cannot be near sin. He, we cannot be re- in relationship with Him because of sin. Sin has created a barrier. And it doesn't matter how good you are, because good isn't good enough. Perfect is the requirement for eternal salvation. Perfect is the requirement. And Jesus, God's only begotten Son, Jesus who is a part of the Godhead, the Trinity of the Godhead, was sent to earth to live a perfect life, to die... A perfect death on the cross bearing all of our sins, each one of our sins. All of the things that you have ever done, are doing, or will do. He bore those sins on the cross. And with his blood, we are washed clean. And it's not about what, how good you are, what you've done, what you haven't done. It is simply receiving the good news of the gospel. And he was like, yeah, I guess I just haven't heard that part. And I'm like that's only the only that's the only part. <laughs> I was like that's the gospel. There's nothing else. You don't have to do anything else after. You don't have to do anything before. The gospel is that it's all about Jesus. Simply go to Jesus, receive Jesus. He did it all for you. And a lot of times as believers, we we go, that's so good, that's the good news. And then we get going in our life, and as Rick was sharing, then we forget that grace is for the rest of our life too. Grace is for the rest of our life too. You know, in Galatians, he says, Who has bewitched you? What has begun in the Spirit will you now complete in the flesh? He's like... What began in the spirit, the spiritual experience, the, the relationship that you now have with God, will you now somehow finish that by your works? Will you go and be a good person now and make God happy? See, so your, your good works after you get saved still aren't what make God happy because it's still not good enough. It's still just simply Jesus. And so that we continue to draw near to Jesus. We continue to draw near to Him and love Him. And then when we do good works, it's the good works that He's prepared ahead of time for us. And we're by the power of Jesus, and Jesus still gets all of the credit. The entirety of the gospel is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's His grace. It's His love. It's not your works. It's not how hard you um, are, you know, trying to do good works. It's not how good of a character or how moral you are. It's none of those things. It's always Jesus. It's Jesus before you receive and it's Jesus after you receive. And so the message of the gospel is that it's truly not about us. It's about what our Savior has done for us. And so I want to take you guys through a few different um, things, that real practical things to walk someone through this truth of the gospel. Now, I want to encourage you to say that you're doing A lot of times I do this in my own head, I quote the verses without necessarily where they're saying where they're at, because I don't want them to feel like I'm taking them through a program. But it's a, it's not a tool for them when you're sharing. It's a tool for you as you are sharing in your own head. We're going to go through two very briefly. One we'll spend more time on, and the other one I'll just kind of very quickly summarize for time's sake. But it's, one is the Romans Road, and the other is the Four Spiritual Laws. And if you've been in the church for a while, you, those two terms maybe they you're like ah oh, yeah I know it's just some little thing that they have on a track right. Again, it's not a tool for the person hearing. It's a way for you to think through the gospel in a very practical way so that as you're sharing it... Because here's the thing, people who have relatives that are Christians, right, can tell me sometimes that I've never really heard that. And I'm like, that is the gospel. Good works has never been the gospel. That's religion. The gospel has always been the blood of Jesus the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And so these are some good ways for us just to look at that. One, The first one is Romans Road, and these are in the sermon notes, if you want to go through them with me right now, or if you just want to listen. But also, they'll be in the sermon notes if you want to go copy them or something and save them for yourself later. Um, it's really good to memorize these, um, just for your own sake. Um, so let's go through that. Romans Road. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 20 says, For the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This shows them that creation has always showed the existence of God, the nature of God, that God is good, that God is lovely. We can see it in nature, we can see his design, we can see his characteristics in nature, we can see it around us, that we must look at the world around us and say, there has to be a creator here. There has to be something that put me here. There has to be a reason I'm here. So that shows that we're, we're here for a reason, that God created all of this for a reason, that we should be able to see that there is a creator. And then it says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it shows that even if you only sin one time, you still sinned and that makes you fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's showing that our sin, even if it was just one, but it's never just one, it's like one a day at least, right? (laughs) It's at least in our mind, the things we think, it's all the time. But the wages for those sins is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's a free gift, the free gift of eternal life. Now, I, I uh, added this one, Romans 8.1. This is not in the original. This is my own version. Sorry. Uh, I added this one because it's so, so important to know. It's my probably my favorite verse in Scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation free gift of God, if you receive it, there is no condemnation. There's no more guilt. He took it all. There's no more condemnation. There's no more accusations to be made against you eternally. Because He took it all. And then Romans 10, 9-10, how to receive the gospel. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So you don't have to, like, say, lay it out. Like, I'm going to take you through the Romans Road. That might really bore them. But as you're speaking, to know, like, I have some scriptures that I know present the truth of the gospel in a very simple way. Romans Road is great. The other is four spiritual laws. We're not going to read this. Um, But... The four spiritual laws are, one, that God loves you, and that He sent His only begotten Son to die for you on the cross. The second spiritual law is, uh, man is sinful and separated from God. It uses the same scriptures as the Romans wrote to present that idea. The third is that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. So that Jesus is the only way. Right, Your, your works, no other person can, can do it for you. It was simply only through Jesus. That our sins um, can be forgiven. And then the fourth spiritual law is we must individually receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. And uses some of the same text as Romans. So it's, it's again, it's not a tool for them as much as it is a tool for you as you're sharing the gospel. Two others, and I'm going to go to one of them. Or um, you can always take people to Colossians chapter 1, which presents the gospel in a beautiful um, way. And the other, um, one of my favorites is in Ephesians chapter 2 if you want to get there with me. Ephesians chapter 2. This is just so powerful. I was reading it last night, and it wasn't in my sermon notes, but and, you know, as I'm up here, I'm just thinking through the power of this chapter. So if you guys will read it or, or listen with me. And you were dead in the trespasses of sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in His mercy because of the great love which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised And raised up with Him, and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you look at the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 and chapter 2, everything he says, almost every sentence or thought, he follows it by saying, in Jesus, in Christ, or because of Christ, through Christ, over and over. I counted it once, I can't remember what the number was, but it's like over and over and over in those two chapters. The whole point is it's in Jesus, not you, not you. You were dead. It's never been you. It's still not you. It's just Jesus. Isn't that good news though? Here's the thing is, I know how good I am when I try really hard and it's still not very good. Anybody else relate to that? Like I know, I've experienced what life is like when I'm trying to just do things in my own strength. Forgetting the good news of the gospel. That it's never been my strength. Paul says that, he says, I'll boast all the more of my weaknesses so the power of Christ might rest upon me. <laughs> we don't boast in our weaknesses, do we? We don't boast in our shortcomings. Paul says that we should. The entire human life is just one of failure. <laughs> Isn't it? Most of the time we just fail at things. And the little bit of success we have, we like to post on Instagram. (laughs) Right? The good news is that it's never been about us. It's always been about Jesus. And you may think that your unbelieving friends have heard that, but I bet that they haven't. I bet many of them haven't. Because if you asked if you do, there are a lot of surveys that show this. If you ask the majority of Americans how they get to heaven, they say by being good enough. Even in a lot of so-called Christian circles, when asked, they say, well, just by being a good person. It's not how you get to heaven. It is not the message of grace, and it is certainly not the gospel. We are broken and we are in desperate need of Jesus. The world is broken and in desperate need of Jesus. And I know that when, when we share the gospel, it's immediately followed by a lot of questions. Some of them really hard questions. Well, how do you know who this Jesus was? You know? Well, what about evolution? What about this or that? There are so many questions. Or, or one is, that just seems too easy. That seems way too easy. I've had people tell me, like, that's too easy. I would prefer something where I can, like, work and prove myself to God. I know that earlier on in my life, like, I remember being at Bible college, and I knew the gospel, but I always felt like I wanted to prove myself to God. Anybody else ever feel that? Like, God, I'm going to do some great stuff for you. He's not looking for us to do great things for him. He's not looking for our good works. Because he's looking for our submission to Jesus and Jesus leading our lives and Jesus giving us the power, strength, and purpose to live out in our life. So if there are hard questions, you have something that no one else in the history has ever had. And that's a phone with internet that you can Google smarter people than me and smarter people than you to answer those questions, <laughs> right? It's like we've become lazier and less educated while we still have, like, something that could educate us beyond what anybody could be educated 20 years ago. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? There are some awesome websites that you can go to. K-A-R-M, Karm. They have, like, answers to, like, every question, basically. Billy Graham's website does. Greg Laurie's website does. There's, like, there's so much that you can go to. You know, I'm not actually sure how to answer that question, Let me find out for you. Or, hey, I'll come back to you with something like that. But the thing is, it's not your role to convince them. It's your role to share the good news. And you know what you say? If you have doubts, that's okay. Christians have doubts sometimes. Doubts isn't the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. But doubts isn't the opposite of faith. We all have doubts sometimes. But here's the thing. Just say, it's good news. Just give Jesus a chance. Just try praying with Him. Pray to Jesus and just see what happens. Because when the Spirit of God speaks to their soul, that trumps all of their doubts. When they experience relationship with the Lord, maybe they'll want to go research stuff later on and there's good answers to all the hard questions. But the truth is that there are men and women who have researched all of it and they've never had this spiritual experience, this understanding of who Jesus is and the relationship that we can have with Him and so they still don't believe. There has to be a moment where they give Jesus a chance and the Spirit of God reveals to them the truth. And they can only know what the truth is if we share it with them. And the thing that we have to share is the simple message of the gospel. That it's not works, it's just grace through Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's get amped up. Let's let's get excited about it. I hope that this message doesn't get you feeling guilty, but that you're remembering how good Jesus is and how much He's done for you. And just enjoy that simple thought. Amen? Amen? Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us all together. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for coming and and dying for us. Giving us new life. Forgiving our sins. Lord, I pray that we would each just draw near to you. That we would not be satisfied with our relationship with you, but want to draw near and near to who you are. Just draw near to the relationship that we can have. Day in and day out, just put our minds on you. Put our minds on the things of Christ. Rely on the Holy Spirit instead of our own strength. Rely on your guidance rather than our planning. Lord, in every way, let us be a church that relies on you, is completely and totally in love with you, Lord. Let us refall in love with who you are.